So our scripture reading this morning is Mark 10, 17 through 30. As Jesus continued down the road, a man ran up, knelt before him, and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to obtain eternal life? Jesus replied, Why do you call me good? No one is good except the one God. You know the commandments, don't commit murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't give false testimony, don't cheat, honor your father and mother. Teacher, he responded, I've kept all of these things since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him carefully and loved him. He said, you are lacking one thing. Go, sell what you own, and give the money to the poor. Then you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. But the man was dismayed at this statement and went away saddened because he had many possessions. Looking around, Jesus said to his disciples, it will be very hard for the wealthy to enter God's kingdom. His words startled the disciples. So Jesus told them again, children, it's difficult to enter God's kingdom. It's easier for a camel to squeeze through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter God's kingdom. They were shocked even more and said to each other, then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them carefully and said, it's impossible with human beings, but not with God. All things are possible for God. Peter said to him, look, we've left everything and followed you. Jesus said, I assure you that anyone who has left house, brothers, sisters, mother, father, children, or farms because of me and because of the good news will receive 100 times as much now in this life, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and farms with harassment. And in the coming age, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Allison. God is good? All the time. I can't hear you. God is good. All the time. I have to apologize in advance. Uh, I've been fighting a little virus all week and sleeping more than I usually sleep. Uh, and uh, my wife is also complaining of man cold and whiningness. So it, it's real, though. It's real. Um, <laughs> uh, we continue in our Mark series, and we are in Mark chapter 10, as Allison read. Um, Mark chapter 11 is the entry into Jerusalem, but Palm Sunday's, you know, not yet, so we're going to put that at Palm Sunday, the Sunday before Easter, hit chapter 12 and 13, and then go back to it, and it should line up, line up for Resurrection Sunday. Um, but Mark chapter 10, um, how many of you suffer from PYD syndrome? PYD syndrome. <laughs> what is PYD syndrome? No, it's not perfect young Dave. Um, not uh, pretty young Dave. Uh, but it's perfect yet dissatisfied. Perfect yet, yet dissatisfied. 
Um, and many of us may have spent much of our childhood, much of our lives building our resumes, right? But first in school, building up our transcripts, behaving in school, making the right grades, making sure that we're on the right track to get to college. I know we've been wrestling with our teenage son, like, you got to take this, you got to take this, you got to study, improve your study habits, because what if you don't get into here, into here, into here, and kind of just into the rat race. And it's a good reminder that, you know, God loves us. We're not perfect. And if it was about being perfect, we fell off the track a long time ago, right? And so God sees you and knows you and loves you where you're at. Um, but I personally am a recoverer or still a sufferer of perfect yet dissatisfied because, you know, no matter how hard I've strived in the past to make the grade, at the end of it all, once you get that, whether it's in high school, the 4.0 quarter, yes, finally. Does it satisfy? No, right? It is satisfactory, yeah, I have to admit, but... It's not life, right? It's not, the, it's not the be all, end all. It's nice for a moment, but it's not everything. And really, it's not attached to uh, the bottom line, our worth, our value. Amen? And uh, this conversation with the rich young ruler, uh, and in Matthew 19, 6 30, the man is called just simply young man, and Luke 18, He's referred to as simply ruler. Here in Mark, it's the rich, young ruler. Um, but I call him the ultimate person, the ultimate man. Basically, the person who's got the resume, who's got all the transcripts, who's gone through all the schooling and the academics and has all the letters, the master's degree, even the PhD, has full bank accounts, is driving a Tesla, and is... <laughs> is um, kind of at the height, right? Rich, young ruler. And you can tell by his question that he's interested. Maybe he's run out of perfect ways to be perfect, right? Uh, I'm tall, I'm good looking, I've followed all the commandments, I'm wholesome and good, and I'm also authoritative and I'm rich, right? What else must I do to inherit eternal life, right? Um, so he's achieved uh, the ultimate personhood, the ultimate manhood, and yet PYD syndrome, perfect yet dissatisfied. There's something missing. There's something not quite right. There's something that's off, right? I've achieved everything. I've followed everything. I've been good, and yet I'm not certain. Right? There's a little... There's a little fear. I wake up in the middle of the night and I have anxiety and worry about my salvation, right? about where I'm headed after I die. Right? And I don't know about you that oftentimes I wake up in a cold sweat and I fear aging and fear death. How many of you, maybe it's just me, I don't know. <laughs> I, being co-pilot said a lot of people, it's common to suffer from <laughs> this type of anxiety of mortality, right? Um, but oftentimes I wake up, man, I'm getting old. Or man, I'm going to die someday. 
I haven't done everything I've wanted to do, right? I haven't checked off all of my bucket lists. Um, but this man is approaching Jesus dissatisfied, and he knows that there's something missing. And so he comes to Jesus, and when you see a conversation, a one-on-one dialogue between a person and Jesus, a person and Jesus, you should pay attention. Because there's episode, there's kind of conversations that Jesus has have with people, and um, they are like discipleship conversations, right? All of us have had mentors. I raise your hand if you've had a good conversation with a mentor or a mentor, a discipler, however you want to call it, sat down with you. It doesn't have to be a Christian, in the Christian context. Uh, sat down with you and gave you a word of wisdom or said, hey, here's the best practice, and yours just like, it just opened the whole world for you. How many of you have been in that place, right? And so in the Gospels, when we see Jesus having this conversation with an individual, um, it's that moment to lean in and pay attention because Jesus likes to push in to the core, kind of the core issues of the people he talks to. Like, what is keeping you from fully living a full life following after me? What is keeping you from fully appreciating the joy of what it means to live in the kingdom, right? And I'm a PK. I grew up a PK, Korean pastor's kid, church planner, went to church multiple times a week, Um, knew, you know, I beat everyone in the in, in Sunday school in the Bible quiz, right? Trivial Pursuit Bible. I just, you know, just burn everyone because I knew the Bible left and right. I was smart, right, at the Bible. I was perfect at the Bible according to the image laid out before me of what it means to be a good Christian child of a pastor, right? But it didn't mean that I had... I had a deep, growing relationship with God. And I think this is the thing that Jesus is trying to push in with this rich, long ruler. Like, there's still one thing you lack. Let's, 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 go, let's analyze this a little bit. Um, Jesus continues down the road. A man ran up, knelt before him, asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? The common English Bible says, Obtain. Uh, the Greek there is closer to inherit, which is in the NIV. So I just like to switch things out and say inherit. Um, inherit eternal life. And right there is kind of a clue in the language of kind of the crux of the matter, right? This man says, what must I do? What must I do to inherit? Right? What do you have to do to inherit something? Nothing, right? It's not about what you do, but who you are, right? Your last name, who you're related to, whose child you are, whose family you are, and who's passing this on to you. It's about receiving something because of your identity and who you are. And yet, this rich young ruler is mixing the two and saying, what must I do? How can I strive to inherit? So right off the bat, right, there's a dichotomy, And Jesus quickly catches on to this and says, why do you call me good, right? 
There's no one good except God. And then he moves on and says, you know the commandments. He, he, let's, let's roll with this, rich young man, ultimate man, right? Let's roll with this. He says, you know the commandments. Don't commit murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't give false testimony. Don't cheat. Honor your father and mother. Again, in that kind of resume, I've accomplished these things, uh, tone of voice, the rich young ruler says, teacher, he responded, I've kept all these things since I was a boy. I've been perfect in the Ten Commandments. I've been perfect. The problem is, does Jesus list Ten Commandments here? You know the commandments. He doesn't list ten. Right? He only lists maybe half of them. And the half that he lists, do not commit murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, don't give false testimony, don't cheat, honor your father and mother, what have to do with our horizontal relationship with our fellow human beings, right? Don't kill them, don't cheat them, honor your father and mother. What Jesus purposefully, I think, leaves out is the vertical, right? The vertical. You shall worship your God and only your God, right? Don't, don't take it. I forget the Ten Commandments, but you know what I'm talking about. God. God stuff. I didn't, I didn't AI that part, so it's not in my notes. Um, I'm just, I'm joking. No, I'm not. Yes, I am. No, I'm not. Yes, I am. Uh, but you like that? That's, uh, I've, uh, just a side note, these uh, designs, I've been doing AI-generated images, and so... This is a first century Palestinian rich man who's thinking sad, is disturbed and sad, and that's what popped up, right? I, you have to add Palestinian because, you know, some white guy will show up and, like, and you're like, oh, wait, make them, but if you put, make them dark skin, it will be, I cannot compute, I cannot do this. So you gotta, you gotta work with it a little bit. So there you go. Uh, just trying to find like accurate, you know, depictions of things. Uh, so there's, there's my artwork. Uh, AI has been like adding to my, making my workload more efficient. Um, so you'll, ne- you, you, we'll have to have a quiz like, what parts are AI? You know, when Dave emails me, is it AI emailing me or is it Dave emailing me? If it sounds clear and concise and professional, that's AI, okay? <laughs> <laughs> All right, back to Mark. Um, Back to Mark. Uh, What what was I talking about? Uh, Oh, all these things I've kept since I was a boy. And Jesus pushes in, right? You are lacking one thing. And, And we can guess, we can imagine that what he's lacking is that vertical component, right? Whatever it is that means to honor God, to put God before every other God, to worship God and God alone, that relational component is lacking. So Jesus strategically chooses the question, the act that will push into that core issue, right? That's, that's great mentoring, right? Great, like, boom, precision surgery. Jesus looked at him carefully, and also it says, and loved him, right? 
That's really important. I know, you know, I've come up in kind of church settings or ministry settings where we talk about discipleship, you know, and like, I'm discipling you, right? That is, you are my disciple. And we, you know, back in the day, we used to take pride in like, I took a sledgehammer and just crushed his issues, right? I just pierced his soul with my truth, right? My prophetic truth. I discipled him, right? And we, <laughs> we're, just like, we're, we're not here to like take a sword and rip people's souls apart and be like, ha, 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 ha. I'm so wise. I inceptioned you, right? <laughs> it says, Jesus looked at him carefully. He looked him in the eyes. I made eye contact, and he loved him. I love you. You are lacking one thing. We've got to remember that. He's not yelling at this guy. He's not condemning this guy. You're lacking one thing. Go sell what you own and give the money to the poor. Then you will have treasure in heaven. And come follow me. But the man was dismayed at this statement and went away very saddened because he had many possessions. Ooh, Jesus got it, right? right? That was the thing. Go sell everything you have and follow me. And he had a lot of possessions, so it was, it was difficult, right? The rubber, this is where the rubber hits the road in his heart. And in Mark, you'll have it. We'll see this on Resurrection Sunday. You'll have this cliffhanger, right? You're like, what's the rest of the story? And the end of Mark, you'll see like, and other manuscripts put this alternate ending, right? But I think it's more Mark style to just leave it hanging, right? What happens to the rich young ruler? What did he choose? It just, he just goes away. But it's the disciples, followers of Jesus, Ask the extra question. Does that make sense? If you want to know more about Jesus, if you want to know like, about the kingdom of heaven, if you want to be changed and transformed and receive life-changing message, ask the extra question. So the rich young ruler goes away. We don't know what happens to him. We're left hanging. But the disciples... Um, say, they're shocked, it says. His words startled the disciples. And Jesus told them, well, first Jesus says, looking around at his disciples, it will be hard for the wealthy to enter God's kingdom. His words startled the disciples. So Jesus told them again, children, it's difficult to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to squeeze through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter God's kingdom. And they were shocked even more and said to each other, then who can be saved? Right? That's the the perfect question. You're asking the right question. That's, That's the journey of faith, right? Asking the right question. The question of impossibility. When you're butted up against the wall of impossibility, what comes up? And for the disciples, it's, if that guy, if it's not that guy, the ultimate man, then who can be saved? 
If you're saying the rich, it's harder for a rich person to go into the kingdom of heaven than a camel through the eye of a needle, who can be saved? And that's, Jesus is like, perfect, right? Because what is his response? It is impossible. It says Jesus looked at them carefully. Again, that gaze, right? Looking into their eyes intently with purpose and intentionality, right? It's impossible with human beings, but not with God. All things are possible with God, right? And we have this tension, right? Because I think Jesus is saying it's hard for rich people to enter the kingdom of heaven. In fact, it's impossible to be rich and enter the kingdom of heaven. And our question is, is he talking about material wealth? Like, should I go and sell everything I have? It's, it's kind of pushing our like, no, what, what do I do? Uh-oh. Like, ah, do I have to give up my house and my possessions? It pushes that, and I don't want us to get off the hook too soon by saying, oh, but with God, all things are possible, you know? There's definitely, the question that Jesus is asking is, what are you holding on to that keeps you from following me? What are you holding on to that keeps you from following me? Because as he's been telling his disciples, I'm going to the cross, Right? As we're focused on in the season of Lent, going up to Good Friday and Easter, I'm going to the cross. Jesus is marching to Jerusalem to his death. And he keeps reiterating it in chapters 9, 10, and 11, multiple times. Again, he told them that he must suffer on the cross and die and that he'll be raised again. Right? We talked about that last week. I'm on a journey to the cross. Will you follow me? And there are a lot of things that with our words, we say, yes, we'll follow you, Jesus. We'll follow you, Jesus. But we're still hanging on to that thing, right, on the path. And it's like, it's ripping us, right? You know, my CrossFit coach is like, you need to work on your shoulder mobility. So he gives me these exercises, right, like, like stretch yourself. We're stretching ourselves. And at a certain point, especially if you're, a man in your late 40s, right? It's going to snap, right? Like, it just snaps and you're like, ah. <laughs> What are you holding on to that keeps you from walking on the journey with Christ? Um, when I was in seminary, we had an executive pastor from a lot, one of the fastest growing churches in Seattle at the time that's non-existent right now. It's not the church you think, <laughs> but close to it. <laughs> um, and he was talking about growth and like, how do you grow a church? And it totally came out of the church growth you know, movement and idea. And it, they, right? He had the street cred. They were the fastest growing church. They had multiple satellite churches in their first couple of years. Um, and he's like, what we did is what 
most marketing marketers do is you create a profile. Let's call him East Lake Eddie. And East Lake Eddie is young, single, young adult male in his 20s and 30s, career person, like Seattle hipster, like the person, right? Got a good job, good looking, whatever, white. Um, if you attract this person, just folk, that's your target. You set the target. If you attract this person, everyone else will come. If you, and as you can imagine, all of the seminary, well, half of the seminarians just drove into them, especially me. It's like, everyone will come? I'm not coming, right? Like, everyone will come? And you can feel it, like, the anger, right? And things like, did Jesus target Eastlake Eddie, right, in his ministry? No, he opposite Eastlake Eddie, right? It seems like Jesus targeted off the beaten track, right? Jesus targeted people in the margins. Jesus targeted the poor, the untouchables, right? Jesus did everything opposite of what you would say is the successful marketing experience. And on the road to the cross, as we journey, we have to, we have to ask ourselves and consider, are we headed towards the cross of Jesus Christ in our journey? Or are we walking on the path to the empire? Or are we walking on the path to great is our nation? Or are we walking on the path to riches and glory, right? And best, best country ever, right? Are we selling out the gospel for something, a foundation that's just been handed to us over and over and over? That's not the gospel. It's not Jesus. It's something else, right? It's it's Caesar Eddie, right? We're cha- chasing Eastlake Eddies in our church, our church, how we do leadership, how we, how we invite people, how we, you know, do our worship music, how we gather people, how we, um, how we enumerate success and fruit in our churches. What, what is the outcomes? What are discipleship outcomes? All of those put together, Right? They equate. We don't think, we think they're harmless, right? Oh, that's how you grow a church. We think it's harmless, right? But that's, those are the things that keep out, right, diversity. That keep out other people. That challenge, are challenging to women who are called and gifted. Amen? Right? Because... You're worshiping Rome rather than following Jesus. Okay, I got through that part. Nobody left yet. (laughs) Good. Ah. I thought this shirt wouldn't make people leave. (laughs) Honestly, I just, it was at the top of my drawer, and I just picked it. It It was dark, and I put it on. Um. No, uh, this month is Black History Month, and it's nearing the end of Black History Month, and uh, 
it's a time to highlight, right, histories and voices that we don't always get in the mainstream of information. And uh, so, anyways, uh, so Jesus hits the sticking point for the man, and we can, we can be good and put on the front of having it right, being the good Christian, being the perfect, you know, yet dissatisfied, having the perfect yet dissatisfied syndrome, uh, the, the perfect attendance, churchgoer, I tithe, I give, I serve. Um, but that's not going to be enough, right? Nothing is enough. Nothing that we do is enough, and that's the point, right? That's the whole point. And that's, that's where the good news is. Because the disciples are like, I left my kids and my brothers and my sisters and my spot and my wife and my home and my fishing nets, my nice boat with my right, all the good things. I've left everything, and they're left hanging. And who can be saved? And Jesus says, right, with humans it's impossible, but with God, all things are possible. It's not that Jesus was saying, you can't be saved, rich young man. He didn't say you can't be saved. He said, it's impossible for you to be saved. But then he said, with God, all things are possible because no one in this world can save themselves, Mm -hmm. right? That's the bottom line. You can't save yourself. So what does it mean to have uh, a relationship, right, it's not transactional, it's relational. That's what Jesus is saying. It's not, it's not just vertical or horizontal, what you do, what you do, what you do, without any vertical relationship. Like who, who, who is loving me? Who am I loving? Who am I leaning into right, on a daily basis? And that's what Jesus is talking about. And I'll take another step forward. Uh, in doing an AI search for the verses in Mark 9 through 10 that refer to children, you have, so it's good to look at your passage in the context of what's around it, right? Not just pull it out. Here's your Bible verse, right? What's around it? And what's around it, I started to notice, is a lot of kids, right? There's a lot of kid stuff about kids, in Mark 9, 35 through 37, sitting down, Jesus called the 12. Anyone who wants to be first must be last and servant of all. He took a little child whom he had placed among them, taking the child in his arms. He said to them, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. Whoever wel- welcomes me does not welcome me. Or whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. Right? Jesus is responding to the disciples arguing and having a fight and putting down bets. Who's the greatest of all us disciples? Right? And Jesus is like, you need to be, be like a kid. You need to be a, a servant of all. Mark 9.42, he goes on, the, the kids, there's a kid there, there's kids there. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. Right? Kids, children are important 
to Jesus. Um, as a side note, children and kids should be important to the church, right? Because Jesus values them. And you kind of know the values of a nation by how we treat our children, right? And sometimes when you look at America, sometimes it's like, oh, we exploit our children, right? We don't pour all of our investment into our kids. Mark 10, 13 through 16, and they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. This is right before our passage, uh, that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. And then after, after our passage, Jesus called them together. You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as ransom for many. Humility. Right? And I think this is a theme we've been talking about through Mark is, man, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we need more and more lessons on humility in the ways that we re- approach our neighbors, we approach other people. We need to be humble. You know, and so much we... Uh, we think about what we know, what we can offer people, what information we can instill in people, rather than what does it look like to listen? What does it look like to like, you know, have interchange, have dialogue um, with the world around us? What is it, yeah. Listening is one of the most servant things we can do, right? I was reminded just the other day Isaiah's not in this room, right? Good. Uh, Isaiah's like, you, you don't listen, right? And I think one of the most important things, I'm like, how do I connect with my teenager, right? Uh, listen, mm-hmm. right? Instead of assuming things or interrupting, right? What does it mean to listen? In this world of polarization and division, what does it look like to serve people by listening? to their opinions before shutting them down or assuming what they are, right? And the church has a unique place to step into that and be humble ambassadors, right? To have child... Saying, this is how... This is the path to eternal life, a humble dependence on me, right? Receive, be wholehearted, be vulnerable, be hopeful. All the things that kids are, right? Joyful, hopeful, open, dependent, trusting, ready to learn, you know? Curiosity. And a kind of leaning into the Father, right? 
and saying, I need you. How can this be? I can't do it. Right? And what if the rich young ruler said, Jesus, I don't know what to do. What should I do now? Because I'm really rich, and what you said really challenges me, and I don't know if I can let it go. Like, how do I do this? And I'm sure they would have sat and had a great conversation, right, about what that could look like. Are you with me, church? So for some takeaway points, and this I ran through the AI generator for conciseness and clarity. (laughs) Because I know some of you want the three-point, right? You want some takeaways. So, and I'm not good at that, so. (laughs) Eternal life is a gift of being, not doing. We inherit. We don't earn it. Ask yourself, what do you value more? God or money? The kingdom or the world? Jesus or yourselves? Take some time this week to challenge your priorities. Follow Jesus on the path of the cross. Let go of your attachments that are hindering you from following Jesus. He promises you heavenly treasure and earthly blessings, but not without suffering or persecution. And then finally, God can do anything right in your life and through you. He can save the rich, the powerful, and the self-righteous. He can help us overcome our fears, doubts, and sins. You're never in a place that's unredeemable by our God. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that you want to have a conversation with us, that you look at us, gaze at us with love and compassion, not, not hatred, not condemnation, um, And maybe we are our 